And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the Thursday edition. It's the second best day of the week show. This is Real Investment Show, of course. Michael Eblitz will be joining me this morning. Going to be talking a little bit about the Fed pivot and you know what does that mean? There's a good debate going on right now about you know the Fed's fight versus inflation and now rising hopes and this was really kind of what sparked this rally yesterday that you know really over the last couple of days this rally we've had in the market has been on hopes that you know by September-ish somewhere around that that area the Fed is going to pause or begin to pivot on their rate hike agenda. In other words, they're gonna say, we've hiked rates enough, we're gonna kind of step back, wait and see. And then as Goldman Sachs stated yesterday, that could lead to a very, very strong second half rally of the year. Now that's gonna be the real question here. And something that we'll debate a little bit more this morning is just talking about, can the Fed actually pivot at this point until they begin to see inflation really starting to come down or if they do pivot, what does that mean for assets, right? What does it really mean? How will the markets actually take that Fed pivot? And, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this some more. But over the last couple of days, as we talked about yesterday, markets have been doing fairly well here. Markets rallied, finally de decisively broke above the 50-day moving average. Now, this has been a really tough barrier for this year all the way down. Ever since we kind of peaked earlier this year, we made one attempt above the 50-day moving average back in march we had that very strong kind of counter trend 10 percent rally in the markets back in march then of course we failed and then went lower and then since then since march that 50-day moving average has been a very strong kind of resistance level for stock prices every time we rallied up towards the 50-day moving average the markets would fail give up go lower set new lows and that's been the pattern ever since march now this is the first time that we've actually made this break above the 50-day moving average so this is starting to give bulls a little bit more confidence here now this is something we've talked about here lately there's so many people so bearish on the market that from a contrarian view a rally was a lot more likely and this is kind of what we've been seeing now really for the last few days and the market had been basing very nicely setting in some higher bottoms as the the markets were kind of starting to stabilize around this 3600 level and then ever since then the market's been kind of gradually just creeping higher it's a it's a very defined little channel here that markets have been running in and just as kind of the slow kind of creep higher and this is the first time we've actually kind of broken above resistance so now this kind of clears the way for this market to move a bit higher over the course of the next couple of weeks um, again kind of the key indicator to watch of course is this uh, moving average convergence divergence signal the MACD as, as is more commonly referred to that's on a buy signal and that's been a good signal really ever since the beginning of this year to tell you when you've got a tradable rally and when that rally is over. So if we begin to see this MACD signal turn lower, begin to uh, trigger a sell signal, that'll be a good kind of indication that this current bullish, you know, kind of counter trend rally is potentially done. Then the next question is going to be, will these recent bottoms hold? So if we do get a pullback in the markets, and we will, right? I mean, markets aren't gonna go just straight up to new highs. They could, but generally they don't. So when you get a bit of a pullback, 
does this kind of rising trend line support from this from these recent lows does that hold do these bottoms hold if not obviously we'll be setting new lows and i'll be over concerns most likely of you know inflation not quailing as fast as the fed has hoped or much weaker than expected economic data you know that's there's still a lot of stuff in the works that's coming that we're going to have to deal with over the next few months but right now what we're, what's kind of giving a lift to the market one as we talked about sentiment is so very bearish at this point i mean everybody's negative on markets and you know that kind of bearish that kind of mass bearish sentiment is what's giving the fuel right needed uh, as we get a lot of short covering and, and again you know over the last couple of days in particular um, a lot of this rally has been short covering. We've seen a lot of that of that coverage, uh, you know, happening. Of course, as shorts begin to cover, that's helping lift asset prices. But also, we've had some good earnings here. Um, over, as earnings season has started, it's not as bad as expected, right? You know, so analysts had ratcheted down expectations fairly sharply over the course of just the last couple of weeks, and so now companies are coming in meeting those lowered estimates beating those lowered estimates. So again, we're kind of getting that little bit of a positive bias this morning. We've got quite a few companies coming out from Travelers, Danahure, uh, a bunch of others. Uh, they'll be reporting earnings before and after the bell. Tesla reported after the bell yesterday, did see a bit of decline in margins. Uh, stock is trading up this morning, so that's gonna help kind of lift the S&P because it's such a big component of the S&P now, but that's gonna help give a little bit of support there. Now, markets are looking to open a little bit weaker this morning. Not surprising, of course. You know, we've had, you know, six, you know, six, seven days here of this rally. So, you know, a little bit of a weak open this morning. That's nothing to worry about here. Doesn't mean this rally's over. In fact, what would be ideal if we could get this is a bit of a pullback that holds the 50-day moving average and retest that level. So we just broke above that level. So if the markets could pull back and just test that level without going below it, that'll help reconfirm that that previous resistance is now support for the markets. And now you can get this next leg up for the markets up to 4,100, 4,200, which would be a logical kind of advance for a counter trend rally. Now, a, a rally to that level, 41, 4,200, is gonna move a lot of our indicators into more extreme overbought territory. And that's why we were saying, you know, this is a counter trend rally at this moment. We've been talking about this for a while, finally kind of coming into focus here. So a bit more of a rally wouldn't be surprising because of all the negative sentiment that we have, but that'll be a good opportunity to rebalance risk, you know, uh, you know, work your portfolio that you need to do to lower volatility, et cetera. Because then when you get the pullback, which will come as, as we kind of work through the rest of this year, it will become key at that point for the markets to hold that 50-day moving average and not go retest new lows. That's going to be really the defining moment as to whether the bottom at this you know, kind of previous basing of this market over the last few weeks is that the bottom. And that's going to depend on where the next pullback is and where we find that support. So again, there's a few things to be watching here very carefully for markets here over the next couple of weeks. Again, what we're getting right now is that expected kind of you know bullish you know counter trend rally don't you know get sucked into that the bull market is back and the bear market is over don't get sucked into that just yet that's we're still kind of in real dangerous limbo territory here uh, until we start to see some more positive continuing action and that's going to be a pullback that holds a higher level of support and then a rally after that that gets us to to a newer higher level 
in that kind of that process of working through that bottoming process and beginning to return back to a bullish trend to the markets. So again, a lot of work to do before we get there. But we'll talk more about this morning, you know, this idea about the Fed pivot. One thing that will help support a bullish rally here is this idea that the Fed is done hiking rates and potentially a return back to QE and, you know, more accommodative monetary policy. But is that coming anytime soon? That's the real question for markets and that's the real question for the Fed. So when we come back from the break, I'll pick up with Michael Leibowitz and we'll get into this a whole lot deeper and really talk about that, portfolios, markets, your money, and more right here on The Real Investment Show. Be sure to get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Michael Leibowitz's latest article is out on the website. Our daily commentary is already out this morning. It's on the website. Just click the daily commentary link. And of course, send us your questions, comments, emails. Always happy to help you. We'll be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. It's uh 617 as we uh, get the show underway. Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning. Talking a little bit about the Fed pivot. Goldman Sachs out yesterday talking about if the Fed pivots, well, this is going to be a huge second half rally. And the, I guess the question really is, you know, whether or not, you know, that's going to be the case. You know, the, one of the big issues is, the, or I should say the differences, and this is the big debate that I think not just, you know, we have internally uh, within ourselves, amongst ourselves in terms of managing portfolios, but I think this is, you know, a, a debate issue that everybody's trying to deal with right now is that there is a difference this time. You know, we always, you know, we always say the, you know, the, the most terrifying words in the market is this time is different because it really never is, right? Markets are never different. Now, the, you know, what sets up a bear market and what causes the bear market, those are always different. And, and you know, the only thing that is the same over time is, you know, the outcome, which is generally, you know, a lot of pressure on stock prices. But, but the causes of bear markets are always different. And, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're talking about now and, and when people talk about this time is different, there is a difference this time to what's going on. And that's the fact that we have the highest level of inflation since the 1970s. Now, there's a difference in the, the, the reason we have inflation from the 70s. 
Um, we don't have the economic growth. We don't have the job growth. We don't have the wage growth. We don't have the, you know, the, the catalyst to help support and hold higher rates of inflation. The inflation we have now is, is you know, caused by a massive surge of monetary you know, input. Uh, this kind of fiscal policy that we saw from the government in 2020-2021 send checks to households that created a lot of demand at a time when you had no supply availability, and that, that created a surge in prices. Now all that's reversing, right? We're seeing inventories come up. I saw an interesting comment out this morning. <laughs> it was a chart of Hasbro inventories. And, of course, we're getting ready to go into Christmas season, and Hasbro has a record level of inventory right now. And the, and the headline on the article said, Hasbro stocks up on inventories to get ahead of supply chain disruptions before Christmas. Um, this is July. <laughs> and, you know, the issue is, is, is that we're not, and, and that's not the case, right? The, the reason that Hasbro has an inventory surge is just like the same reason that Walmart does and Target does and Amazon does. And this is why when you saw the Amazon Prime uh, sale last week, July 12th and 13th, they were discounting items up to 80%. So, I mean, you could get a television for like two sticks of bubble gum. I mean, it was super cheap and, you know, to buy, to buy a television because they have so much inventory of it. And this is, this is the bullwhip effect that we wrote about recently. If you go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com, um, and just put in the search bar at the top, bullwhip effect, we wrote an article talking about this inventory backlash that was going to occur because what happens is, is all this capital comes into the markets right so now everybody has money to spend and producers and retailers etc go oh man i don't have enough inventory to meet this demand so they run out and order a bunch of inventory and then the people that were coming in with all this money to buy run out of money and now they're stocked up on inventory that's what's happened so now we have a lot of this inventory that these companies are going to have to work through so this is part of, but that's going to be disinflationary as we get into later this year because they're going to start discounting these items. The, the, the big hang up right now with inflation, and, and you know, we'll, we'll start with this conversation, is housing. 42% of the CPI calculation is homeowners equivalent rent, which is a function of both rent and house prices. And the problem with that is, as Mike and I have talked about before, is the lag effect that comes from housing. By the time you put up a house, you sell it, you close it, those prices get reflected. That takes several months. And, and again, you know, the, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index is a good example of this. When you see that Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and they, they report it, so in, in July, right, we'll see the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and we'll go, wow, home prices were up, you know, X percent. Well, that's not for the month of June, uh, the month of June right? It's for the month of April, because it runs a three-month lag. So what you're looking at is data that's three months old. So I, I don't know what that really tells you about inflation, but it's three months old, and what you're looking at is what was happening with prices three months ago. So, Mike, you know, this is one of the, you know, kind of the key points here with inflation first, and let's start there before we start talking about the Fed pivot, is, you know, we, we, we're seeing these kind of consistently higher rates of inflation at this point. It was interesting because late last year, the Fed was talking about transitory. Now they're talking about a more, you know, not so transitory inflation, which may be just the time that inflation becomes transitory. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I think if we had a daily inflation figure that was able to somehow every day go get prices from around the country, 
you know, an impossible task. But if we had something like that, I mm -hmm. think we would see that inflation is starting to come down. Not giant steps, but it's starting to come down. Like you said, we probably are starting to see it in real estate rents, but we're not going to see it in any kind of official data for at least another month, two or three. We know gas prices are down decently, you know, low mid $4 a gallon. Um, we know that food prices are starting to come down. We know a lot of commodity prices have come down and that takes a while to trickle into consumer products, but we should probably start seeing some of that in the producer price report mm -hmm. next month. So <clears throat> inflation is coming down, but it's at such a high level. I think this is where it gets really tricky. We're not at 4% in inflation trying to get to 2%. We're close to double digit inflation trying to get to 2%. Mm -hmm. So prices can come down to six, seven, 5%, whatever it may be. That, in my opinion, is still way too high for the Fed. That they're still going to want it further. So, this is this kind of ties into what the Fed is doing, when the Fed will stop, when the Fed will pivot, and they're not going to be happy with five percent inflation. Inflation is not going to hit five percent anytime soon. You know, we're going to see signs that it's topping, and I think the market is already pricing that in. I'm going to have a great article next week that shows the way various sectors perform against each other, the way bond, bond yields have traded and a few other things, that the market is anticipating inflation to be less of a problem than a recession. So that on its own augurs that the Fed will stall, pivot, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think... I think it's probably neither one of those. I think it's just less hawkish would be the right word. Maybe instead of 75, which they're going to do uh, next week, maybe they go to 50. But, you know, Goldman Sachs is talking about a Fed pivot or a Fed stall in September. Mm -hmm. The Fed's going 75 next week. The next meeting will be mid-September. It's hard to see them not doing, you know, at least 25, but most likely 50. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at November, you know, so so kind of the there's a lot to unpack with with what Goldman Sachs is saying. But just the timing is difficult to see the Fed really changing rhetoric. The Fed wants to fight inflation and the Fed is going to have a really tough time fighting inflation if they start backing off on inflation and telling the market that they're not serious about fighting mm -hmm. inflation. And I, I think if you go back and look at Fed statements, starting with the early May meeting. And it was that that the statement where they declared they're fighting inflation. That's their number one goal. And then more probably more importantly, all the rhetoric by the by so many, even Neil Cash Carey, the doviest uh, dove on the <laughs> Fed board, even even him, inflation is number one goal. We're going to do whatever we have to do. And most of them mentioned that that includes, you know, the demand destruction, which translates into lost jobs and slower economic activity. I'm not going to say recession, but slowing down mm -hmm. demand. That's right. really what they're talking about. Well, you know, this is kind of but it's kind of an interesting conundrum, you know, uh, I guess, because this is, you know, as you talk about, look, inflation is going to start to come down. And the Fed's continuing to hike rates, which is going to cause, you know, the, the economy to slow down even more. Right. Because we're tightening monetary policy and, and all that. And right. really what 
what becomes, you know, and we'll talk about this after the break, is, you know, this differential between, you know, just look, you know, because you and I are talking about the specific facts, right? The Fed's going to hike rates, they're going to lower, uh, lower inflation, right? So that's, that's their goal. And it's interesting because interest rates, inflation, and economic growth all track each other fairly closely over history. There's a fairly high correlation. We've, you know, we've created some economic composite indexes that compare all these things together relative to GDP growth. And what we find is, is that there's a fairly high correlation over time that inflation, interest rates, and economic growth all track each other. And so the Fed's saying, look, I want 2% inflation, which means by default that you're wanting a very slow rate of economic growth of 2%. You know, we should be trying to attain 4% inflation so we can have 4% economic growth. That would be much better for the economy, much better for job creation, much better for economic prosperity. But, you know, we keep trying to go back to this very low rate of economic, you know, activity to, so that we can quell inflation. And that's just because we have so much debt in the economy, we just can't really afford more than 2% in inflation. And that would also mean, by the way, if we're running 4% you know, GDP growth, we're going to have 4% interest rates, and that's too much debt service, right? So there's, this, there's, there, you know, there's right. this whole side product of this that we're not talking about, which is the economic structure that we're in now that can't really support higher inflation or higher interest rates. So, but what I want to switch to when we come back is psychology and market psychology versus economic facts. We'll talk about that with Michael Leibowitz right after the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com inflation touches every aspect of your life no one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation ria advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn thursday august 4th at noon register now at realinvestmentadvice.com there's no magic elixir against inflation our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to the Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning at 6.33. I was just telling Brent off air that uh, so my daughter moved out of the house yesterday and I, and I, and I discovered that I think she's going to be president. <laughs> How's that? Well, because so we're getting ready to move. At the same time, she's moving out of the house. She's ready to go to. She's getting ready to go to Lubbock. You know, Reckham Raiders. Yep. Um, so she's moving out, and we're trying to move our house. So next week, we're moving into our rental house uh, that we rented. 
You're a glutton for punishment. I know, right? I just want to do this all at once. Uh, anyway, so we have all. So when we move, we we're, we pretty much like purge everything. We have we have a we have a slogan which is basically if you haven't touched it in six months, it goes to the trash, mm. right? So, well, actually, we have a lot of donation going on right now. So we're we're loading up, you know, whole bins of stuff that are going over to Goodwill. Uh, so there's gonna be some very well dressed, um, you know, well furnished, yeah. <laughs> you know, homeless people here soon. Does so. Christina have a posh channel on Instagram? Uh, no, it's all at Goodwill. Oh, okay, uh, just right. go to your local Goodwill. You'll see lots of stuff there. Anyway, um, so we have all this stuff. We had all this stuff uh, upstairs, um, you know, that had to go out to to the garage to be put in trash, and it was a good bit of stuff. And so I told my son and daughter, I said, look, before y'all, before y'all leave the house, I want all this stuff moved out into the garage, right? Flexing my dead muscles, right? <laughs> Got my one moment in there. And they're like, okay. And so, you know, then she leaves. And I'm like, well, where did you go? Right? Where did <laughs> you go? And about 30 minutes, she comes back with like four friends. And they all come to the house and she's like directing and she gets she suckered these four other kids into moving all the trash out to the garage while she stood there and directed. And I'm like, I can't get mad at it, but that's not the lesson. The lesson was you were supposed to move this. <laughs> Go wrangle. It's like a modern day spanky in our game. I know, right? And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, you know, she's someday she's going to be the head of Apple. I don't know what it, what she's going to do, but she's going to dominate the world. That's all, Good all for I know. Her. Yeah. Anyway, trash is in the garage. So. <laughs> Tom Sawyer. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to our back to our conversation this morning, talking a little bit about the Fed pivot. And, you know, there's there's a second problem that we want to get into with the Fed pivot. Uh, but before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit about psychology as well you know one of the things that you know and goldman's talk again we're just to recap our conversation goldman's talking about a potential very strong second half rally of the market if the fed pivots you know by september in other words what they're talking about by a fed pivot is the fed changing their fight from inflation to going back to supporting monetary or financial stability right that's the big question. The problem is really twofold for the Fed at this point is one is that inflation is still running near double digits and there is no financial instability. Yes, housing prices are coming down, but they're not falling apart. We're not ha having a housing crisis. In fact, the median home price just exceeded four hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, that's doesn't really, you know, smack of a financial crisis going on when you know median home prices are going up. Um, you know, the market is not even down 20% and still well above the 2020 peak. So there's not, you know, a financial crisis going on in the financial market. So there's really nothing here for the Fed to be overly concerned about at this point in terms of, you know, backing off of fighting this, you know, double digit inflation and getting inflation back down more towards their long term goals. But, you know, the one difference. Or I shouldn't say it's a difference, but the one thing that has happened in the markets over the last 12 years is that, you know, in, investors no longer look at fundamentals or, you know, those type of things, right? It's all about the Fed. Whatever the Fed does is my indicator for what I do in the financial market. So if the Fed's tightening policy, I don't want to be in stocks. If the Fed's loosening policy, I want to be in stocks. And so the idea here is that, Mike, if the Fed pivots, that all of a sudden that'll be the signal to the financial markets that 
it's all clear and quantitative easing is coming back and interest rates are heading back towards zero. So I want to be long risk assets. There's a big problem with that. And you mentioned it earlier and I, it, it deserves a ton of attention. Let's bold it, underline it, even put a few emojis by it. It's that we are incredibly dependent on debt and on interest rates, mm -hmm. this economy, both at a consumer level, corporate level, and federal state level. The, the level of interest rates is drives economic growth. And as we've seen, it also drives markets. So let's hypothetically say the Fed goes 75 in July and they don't even pivot. They just stall come, come September. Yeah, the market may bounce off that. They're going to think, oh, it's just like the just like the last 20 years, the Fed's going to come with their white white cowboy hat on and support the market. The problem with that is the bond market will likely revolt. Yields will potentially go up much higher. The commodity markets may get their speculative fervor back, right? People are going to start saying, well, the Fed doesn't really care about inflation. They let it go down from 9% to 7%, which we're probably going to be well above 7% in September. But let's just say we're pretty optimistic. All of a sudden, you got a little, a little topping in inflation and the Fed stops fighting inflation. Bond yields shoot higher. Things like energy, you know, a lot of commodities that trade in the futures market could surge higher, provoking inflation. The dollar could get pounded. One reason the dollar is so strong today is because the, the Federal Reserve is far and away the most aggressive central bank trying to fight inflation. That changes if the Fed stalls or pivots or even, you know, their, their rhetoric gets a lot less hawkish. So so you, you got this kind of dichotomy. You got uh, the potential for, you know, as Goldman says, a raging bull market, while the bond markets, commodity markets and dollar are are really problematic. And that's what's driving the economy and inflation are the bond markets and the commodity markets. So so you risk and the dollar. So you risk stoking inflation at that point and a, a much deeper recession because yields pop up potentially much higher than they got over the last couple of weeks or the last month or two because the Fed is saying, you know what, that fight against inflation, it doesn't matter anymore. It does matter. And that's why I think they have to get it down to a level that seems persistently low again. I'm not saying they have to get it to 2%, but they run a big risk if they stop the fight too early. Yeah, it, It's almost like antibiotics. Yeah. You, you have to take the full dosage, take it till, till the last pill is swallowed. And you feel better halfway through but you're still taking pills. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. But, you know, and again, you, you know, it's it's this interesting situation that we've created in the markets is, you know, if the Fed begins to signal that they're backing off the more aggressive side of their policy, you know, again, it, it's like, it's like, and we've talked about this on the show, we've written articles about it. You know, we've created this Pavlov effect in the markets, which is the Fed rings the bell, everybody runs in and buys stocks. And that and that's the real question is and everybody is just looking at the Fed right now in terms of their signals for the markets. And this is the interesting conundrum right now. There's actually a lot of companies in the markets that are supporting some pretty decent valuations, but nobody wants to buy them because they're worried about the Fed. Right. And at some point, we've got to move away from looking at the Fed as our key indicator for the market and go back to investing in fundamentals and finding companies with strong fundamentals and 
that have an opportunity to grow over time because that's what we do as investors. And a lot of these, you know, again, while the market may only be down 18, 19% from, you know, 17% from its peak, there's a lot of stocks that are down in the market 60, 70, 80% still. And right. you know, at some point, we've got to go back to looking at those fundamentals instead of worrying so much about what the Fed's going to do one way or the other. Look, the Fed, I agree with you, the Fed's going to hike rates until, or at least maintain a more aggressive monetary footing until inflation is clearly starting to come down, then maybe once they start to see a, a, a consistent decline in inflation, and maybe it's going from you know, 9.5 to 9.1 to 8.8 to you know, 8.5 over a course of several months, and they see this trend of lower inflation, maybe then they start to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to go to 25 basis point hikes, or we're going to pause here for a little bit and, and kind of watch the data. You know, maybe they do that. But again, you know, I think at some point we've got to get back to saying, okay, look, the Fed's going to do what they're going to do. We've got to focus on the fundamentals of, of stuff that is there. And, and that excites me, that statement, because what you're really saying is that's a stock picker's market. Right. We know the Fed is will be pulling out liquidity from the market as a whole. We know the market as a whole is still very overvalued. So so everyone that's a passive investor that just buys the S&P 500 or buys these broad indexes, there's still a lot of risk because valuations are very high and because the Fed is pulling liquidity. But at the same time, there's a lot of stocks now that are trading at very low valuations, some of which pay decent dividends. Mm -hmm. And those are opportunities. There's still risk in them, but much less risk. And you're buying much closer to the bottom. So so that that statement, Lance, really excites me because that's <laughs> that's where people that really look at valuations, that look at liquidity, that really focus on earnings and revenues and potential can thrive. Yeah. And, and again, you, you, you know, this is going to be a market that we've got to work through over time. But, you know, again, you know, there's there's, you know, two things that we've got to work on. And, you know, that is, is one is focusing, going back to focusing on fundamentals. The Fed is still going to be a key role into the overall market psychology one way or the other. And whether or not they hike interest rates or how aggressive they are, that's certainly going to impact market movements because the markets are hanging on every word that comes out of the Fed's mouth. <laughs> Regardless of whether they're right or wrong, that's what the markets have been on. All right, we're going to come back, get ready to wrap up the show. A couple other topics to get into this morning, um, specifically about where we are in the markets right now and what you should be doing with your portfolio. We'll touch on that right when we come back from the break. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Invest Show.
and welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, Michael Lee was joining me. Let's talk. We're going to uh, transition from this, uh, you know, discussion about the Fed hiking interest rates, and of course, um, this uh, idea, like Goldman Sachs is putting out, of a very strong second half rally because of a Fed pivot. Uh, to talk a little bit about where we are right now, um, specifically with the markets, and, and again, as I talked about this morning at the open, you know, the, look, there's some very bullish kind of activity going on in the markets right now. Um, we've put in a very nice base over the last three weeks on prices. Yesterday, or actually day before yesterday, we actually broke above the 50-day moving average. Yesterday, we came down intraday, tested the 50-day moving average, rallied up at the close to, to kind of confirm a break above the 50-day. So that's all very bullish, right? Um, you know, our MACD indicators, which is probably one of the best indicators for um, increasing or decreasing exposure to markets, is on, you know, on a buy signal. We're about halfway through, uh, maybe a little bit more of that signal. So there's not potentially a lot of upside here to the markets. And, but, you know, a rally to 4,100, 4,200, um, certainly well within the realm of possibility, very much like we saw the rally back in March. Now, that rally kind of gave up the ghost and we set new lows. Uh, that's potentially something that we could see with markets as we go forward. Again, you know, there's, you know, there's still the concern over slower economic growth. There's still, you know, increasing numbers of signs of slower economic activity, potentially even recessionary activity. I don't want to be careful. There's, you know, there's so many people expecting a recession right now that uh, that disturbs me a little bit because, you know, normally markets don't anticipate and, and, and more importantly, analysts don't anticipate uh, recessions until after they happen. <laughs> and then they go, oh, yeah, that was a recession. Um, this would be one of the most well forecasted recessions, I think, ever in history if it occurs. And that's why I'm a little bit cautious saying, hey, we're going to have a recession because you know, the data says so, and there's certainly a lot of data supporting the idea of a recession. But the fact that everybody's expecting one also suggests, as Bob Farrell once said, Bob Farrell was one of the great market technicians in the, in the, used to work for Merrill Lynch and had 10 rules. And one of his rules was when all experts agree, something else tends to happen. And that's, that's a very true case. And from a contrarian standpoint, the fact that everybody's expecting a recession makes me a little bit cautious about betting on a recession, right? So it just shouldn't be the case. But that, that puts us in a little bit of limbo here in terms of, you know, what do you do here? Do you allocate a lot of money to the markets because we're in a bullish trend from a tradable perspective? You know, is the bottom end? That's the, the big question that everybody wants to know right now. Um, and then we'll just discuss that a little bit here with Mike. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think? Uh, you think uh, this recent bottom we put in is the bottom or do you think we have some more work to do first? I think we do have more work to do, but I think first and foremost, it's important to understand that that we that I really don't discount anything that can happen. I don't fully discount or say that it can't happen, that we can't have a FOMO rally like Goldman's talking about. And and maybe it happens because inflation drops like a rock and commodities are really starting to fall. So so there there is a case to be made for S&P 5000 you know, within the next, you know, call it nine months. Mm -hmm. But again, this this all goes back to liquidity, Lance. I mean, at the end of the day, liquidity is what drives markets. You can look at valuations, but it's liquidity that drives markets and liquidity worldwide is being taken out of markets by both the central banks 
and the governments. Mm -hmm. Look, we're we're still running a very high deficit, but it pales in comparison to the last few years, last couple of years. And the odds of any fiscal stimulus are slim to none. And I think Slim has left town already with all this political dissension in town. So so we're not going to get fiscal stimulus. We know that the Fed and other central banks are removing liquidity. And that's that's the biggest hang up I have, that that kind of sets the tone, the trend. Now, within that trend, you can have big rallies, right? A few months ago, I wrote about the Bear Stearns rally in March of 2008. The world was seemingly coming to an end in March. Bear Stearns had just collapsed and the market went on a nice rip roaring month, month and a half long rally before heading to much lower levels. So the, the thing is, keep everything in mind. But at the end of the day, liquidity and trends in liquidity and where we think liquidity is going dictates to me, at least where the market will be going. And until any of that changes, until until you either get fiscal stimulus or the Fed really starts backing off, I fear that the trend is lower in price. But again, like you, Lance, we can get to 4,200, maybe even 4,300. Um, but but unless the Fed's really going to pivot and and inflation really comes down and persistently comes down back towards the level, I just fear this is another Bear Stearns rally. Yeah. And look, and, and, and that's the problem. And, and want to be clear, right, is that nobody knows, right? Everybody's, right. you know, throwing out prognostications of, you know, we're going to have a big, big bear market, you know, and the markets are going down to four um, or we're going to have a, you know, massive bull market rally and go to all time highs. There's calls for that right now is that, you know, and, and again, you know, whenever you go through these periods, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, commentary put out on you know, media websites, et cetera, is like, you know, well, after every recession, this is what stocks do and they come back. Well, yeah, of course they come back. That's why you have bull markets and bear markets and they cycle. So it's kind of idiotic. But, you know, they're like, well, whatever markets are down, they come back. So, you know, you'll be happy if you buy here regardless. Well, yeah, you can buy here and go down another 30 percent and then spend another five years, you know, trying to get back to even. And that's not the same thing as making money. Yes, you know, the markets will eventually be higher. The question is higher from where. And, you know, the, the problem is nobody knows, right? We're all kind of guessing. And this is why we talk about risk management. We talk about, you know, you know, you know, maintaining stops and those type of things in portfolios. And it's, it's not easy. And this, you know, this particular market is not easy because there's, you know, it's not a clear, you know, threat to the markets, right? It, you know, 2008 was a bit easier of a market because there was a very clear, you know, kind of an enemy for the market, which was subprime. And, and we knew there was a problem with subprime mortgages and we knew there was a problem um, with real estate. And, and that was feeding in, that was creating a feedback loop into the credit market. So it was, it was a more clear, identifiable enemy, you know, in, in 2000, it was the dot-com issues. And so there was a very clear kind of, enemy of the market that we could focus on. And as long as you were invested outside of the dot-com sector, you actually did okay in 2000, 2001. So there were, there were other places of the markets were doing well. This is a weirder market because there's so many areas of the market that are overvalued, have been stretched because of zero interest rates and Fed policy, whether, whether it's the credit markets, whether it's the housing market, whether it's the stock market itself. You know, we've got overvaluation and, and extensions in so many areas, but we don't have really one clear enemy to focus on that says, if we can solve this one problem, everything else is fine. 
we don't have that. And that's what makes this particular market so more so much more difficult. Yes, we have inflation and inflation can come down, but that still doesn't solve some of the overvaluation problem of the markets, doesn't solve the overvaluation problem with the housing market, doesn't solve the overvaluation problem that we have in, in a lot of the credit markets. You know, there's there's a lot of other issues outside of just what the Fed is doing that could affect markets, you know, as we go forward. We just don't know what those are yet. And Lance, here's let's do a day in the life of Twitter. It, the statement I made earlier, how I think the trend is down. Mm -hmm. If I make a comment like that on Twitter, I'm going to get 100 replies saying, have fun being poor when this market surges like Goldman Sachs says it will. Right. Right. Well, the fact of the matter is we actually do own a lot of equities. We're sitting on more cash than normal. We're being very conservative. We tend to have more low beta value stocks than high growth stocks right now. But we're not missing out if Goldman Sachs is right, even if we do nothing. But then that's the other point. We're active managers. So at times we will own a lot of stocks. At times we may not own. We have a lot of cash. So we're we're taking in data. We're, we're assessing sentiment. We're looking at what the markets are telling us. We're looking at what the Fed's telling us. We're, we're looking at the economy and we're adjusting our risk exposure all the time. So maybe Goldman's right. And we may also at some point agree with them. That may come in two days. It may come in two months. Mm -hmm. And we may own a lot more stocks, but we still own a lot of stocks today. And if the market's going to keep rallying, we will move up with the market. And conversely, if if the market starts petering out here, we're hitting some, you know, we're getting closer to pretty important resistance. If this is the Bear Stearns rally, we will raise more cash. We will put on short positions. We will protect our wealth as well. So, so you know, it's important not to, it's important to be active, to constantly assess everything the markets are telling you, that the Fed's telling you, that government's telling you, that other investors are telling you, and adjust your portfolios accordingly. But keep in mind, again, kind of the, the two key tenets, liquidity and valuations. Liquidity kind of helps you which way the trend is going, and valuations help provide a, a risk range, a, a risk reward type range. And that's the topic of my article that came out yesterday. It's Those are the two cornerstones of the market. And uh, thanks a lot for that, Mike. Um, that article is on the website, so simply go to realinvestmentadvice.com. That article is right at the top of our insights page right now. Um, again, liquidity and valuations, cornerstones of the market. And it is, it's a very good read and kind of helpful in, in terms of this context. In the meantime, get, while you're at the website, be sure and send us a questions, comments, emails. If you need to schedule an appointment, always happy to help you out. And check out simplevisor.com. That's our all digital platform. All of our research is there. We post our portfolios there for you to follow. And you can actually have, you know, the, the platform actually manage your portfolio for you. So and they'll follow our models specifically and do all the trades for you. It's actually pretty cool. It's uh, simplevisor.com. That is simplevisor.com. Um, in the meantime, have a great Thursday. Uh, Friday, of course, is Financial Fitness Friday with Danny and Richard. They'll be here in the morning along with Grandma Yellen. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, there's always somebody showing up on the show. Never know who's, who's going to be. Uh, that's in the morning right here for the Real Investment Show. Uh, in the meantime, like I said, realinvestmentadvice.com. Our newsletter will be out this weekend. Have a great day.
to his bad swerve.